The gospel reading for today serves as the sermon text. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these members, you did to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm sure you've heard the statement usually spoken at work when the boss goes on vacation, while the cat's away, the mice will play. You've heard it. When supervision is removed, sometimes bad things happen. Workers get sloppy, come in late, have no fear of punishment. That being removed, their true character can be revealed. Lazy workers do less. The faithful workers, though, they plug on, roll their eyes, getting frustrated with their co-workers. In our parable today, Jesus tells of a king who returns, and he finds two kinds of people, not lazy mice and hardworking mice, but rather sheep and goats. Now, usually, parables, as we teach them, follow three very important rules. Rule number one, they describe a a heavenly truth in earthly terms. Rule number two, the main character of the parable is always God or Jesus. Number three, rule number three is the key to understanding the entire parable is often found in the very last statement. Well, I guess rules were meant to be broken because those don't necessarily apply fully to our parable today. Rather than one key teaching, there are several important points that Jesus makes with this parable. And the key to understanding this parable, it doesn't come at the end, it comes in the greater context of Matthew's gospel as a whole. 
Now, Matthew's gospel, if you were to summarize it briefly, is that, that huge emphasis on Jesus being the king of kings, the, the king after David's line, the king of Israel. And that this Jesus king who will return finally on judgment day and he will usher in a restoration for all of God's people and ultimately judgment for all of God's enemies. But until that day comes... Until that day comes, all of followers of Jesus, all of Jesus' disciples, you and me, are to be daily engaged in the mission of Jesus, the Great Commission, Jesus' mission to save. And in this particular parable, there are three things that I really want to key in on this morning, three key learnings today. Number one, the King is coming. Number two, Stay on mission. And number three, you are protected by a promise. The king is coming. Now, the kingdom of God, I want you to think of less as a place and more of a verb. It's an action. It's something that happens. Instead of kingdom of God, Matthew likes to use this concept of the reign of God, the the reigning of who God is, and what happens when Jesus is reigning as a king. Wherever Jesus is, the reign of God occurs. The world is in process of being put right. These kinds of things happen. Truth is spoken. Sicknesses are healed. Miracles happen left and right. The effects of sin are either reduced or reversed. That's what happens when Jesus walks into a room. That's why in Jesus' ministry here on earth, when He was incarnate and living and breathing, walking in the same dust that we walk in day in and day out, Amazing things happened whenever he was around. And so shall it be even greater when he returns. When we like to say the world is put right, all that is wrong will be reversed. Now don't lose sight of this. Matthew writes, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle conceptualizing a king, right? That's just not the society and the government that that most of us are are accustomed to. We don't don't live with a king. I have many relatives, all of my mom's side of the family are Canadian, and and Canada celebrates the monarchy uh, unlike the United States, right? We celebrate the fact that we get to elect and put into position people uh, based on our votes in the Electoral College, not in who was born next. Well, maybe your thoughts of a king conjure up images of maybe King Arthur and, and Camelot, or maybe Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy, or the Game of Thrones, or if you like food, medieval times. Well, whatever it is that you think of, Perhaps something a little bit more close to home would be something like, I don't know, the Super Bowl. 
where you've got two teams that are vying in violent competition, and that at the end of this competition, one will be declared the victor, one will be victorious, and all will celebrate the victory, where the champions will reign at least for 365 days. But here's where the reign of God happens. Here's where Jesus' fullness begins with the parable that we have today. You see, the reign of God has been occurring since the very beginning, since the incarnation when Jesus drew near to humanity, being born as a baby, rising to be a man who carried out His Father's plan of salvation in teaching and preaching and miracles and signs and wonders and suffering and dying and rising again and promising His final return. Now, the coronation moment when Jesus comes back again in glory to judge the living and the dead. This glorious throne room, for me, it brings to mind the images in the later part of John's revelation. We see this brand new throne room, and we see the Lamb of God, who alone is worthy. This throne of God. We know that it is certain that He is coming back, and it is soon. These are important because if you don't think that His coming back is certain, then what on earth are we here for? What on earth do we have hope in? But if we remember that He is certainly coming back, and He's coming back sooner than we know. I mean, John thought that Jesus would come back before He even passed away. And the early church had this sense of urgency that perhaps is easy for us to just get tired of. But God wants you to know that I am coming soon. And it's a sense that not only is He coming soon, but the journey here has already started. It's faster than we realize. And Jesus is on His way, and if He is on His way certainly and soon, then we have a lot of work to do. While the cat's away, the mice need to be busy. If the king is returning, then it is imperative that we stay on mission. Now, here's where the sheep and the goats come into play in today's parable. Because as the, the, the shepherd, the king, separates the, the sheep from the goats, he doesn't do it based on anything like actual works but on faith. You see, all those things that you do when they're in, done in the context of faith is a good work that God sees and credits to you because of your faith. And all of those good things done by people who have no faith just simply don't get credited to them. Now for those mistakes that we make, here's the glorious, gracious thing is when Jesus forgives, He remembers our sin no more. That means they don't exist. 
so that when the king comes to judge our bad behavior, he sees none. But when he goes to those who have no faith, they have no grace, they have no forgiveness, they are filled with their sin, and all God sees is their brokenness. But it's not our behavior that makes us good or bad, sheep or goats. It's the presence of faith. Now, unfortunately, as sheep, we don't get to self-identify. Jesus, the king, doesn't come back, and we're not, oh, 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 sheep, 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 please be sheep, please be sheep, please be sheep, right? He just knows. Sheep, goats, and it's instantaneous. Sheep can also be known by what they do by bringing the gospel to all nations. Right? This, this is the mission of Jesus. It is the mission of the church. It's the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And in this time and in this place with these people, the way that we carry out the great commission is by awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Having been made right. This is now our primary purpose in life. Our number one priority of following Jesus, of being a disciple, of believing in Him, is carrying His mission of the salvation of the world forward. Now this happens in a broad sense, where we all participate in, in a very narrow sense, where you you call individuals to serve you on your behalf. Matthew writes, and the king will answer him, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, here's a bit of a sticky wicket. How do we understand Jesus saying the words, these my brothers? You know, emphasis, punctuation means a great deal. Ask any English teacher. The importance of a comma at Thanksgiving, when you say, let's eat, comma, grandma, versus let's eat grandma. (laughs) Grandma cares about the comma. (laughs) In this circumstance, when Jesus is saying the least of these, he's not saying the least of these people talking to the rest of you, my brothers and sisters. He's not talking to his brothers. He's talking about them. Right When Jesus says, the least of these, my brothers, whenever you, the believers, have done these things to these, the least of these, my brothers, right? the emphasis is very different. Do you catch that? It means something very different. Now, when you show hospitality to these, least of these, my brothers, those that have carried the gospel to you, Speaking focused directly to when Jesus says, my brothers, he's talking to the disciples. Every single time in Matthew, that's what brothers means, is one of those 12 disciples, not the mass disciples, the 12. Whenever you've done great things, when you've received well, when you've been hospitable to, when you've cared for the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. See, there's this theme that runs through Matthew that when you receive the messenger, you receive 
the message. Excuse me, when you receive, yeah, when you receive the messengers well, it's a sign that you've received their message. Jesus taught that if you receive me, you've received the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. And Jesus is teaching, if you receive well your pastors, your teachers, your deaconesses, your director of Christian education, your teachers, when you receive them well, when you care for them, when you host them, when you take care of their needs, it tells me that you've received the message that they've shared with you. It's not their message, it's my message. When you receive them well, you receive me well. And this is a moment where your pastor gets to be incredibly proud of who you are. St. Luke's, not just today, but historically, has taken care of its pastors and teachers, deaconesses and DCEs and director of family ministry people very, very well. 75 years ago, there was a heart that was here for those who served in ministry who retired and had not a penny to rub together. And so you started an amazing place called the Lutheran Haven to help take care of retired pastors and teachers. And I can't speak of any time before 1999 personally, but from that time on, I know that you have loved your vicars, even this guy. Well... And you've taken care of your pastors and your teachers. Thank you. Thank you for that. And not just because that means you get to take care of people like me, but because you've received the message that people like me have shared with you for over a hundred years. Well done, good and faithful servants. These brothers that you care for, you know, that is your job as a, as a believer, is to care for those who care for you. It's not just a, if you've got time, but it's a, it's a mandate. And it's not about the personality or the giftedness of any of us. It's about the Word of God, the message that is shared, that you receive, that you believe. And we are protected by a promise. It's good to know that you are not alone. That you don't go out and, and do the things that you do as sheep on your own or by your own authority. Because Jesus has sent you. Because the message is His and it's about Him. Jesus goes with you. And you are empowered by the King. The king gives you his power, his authority to carry his saving message into the world, to deliver his mission to those who need to hear it the most. Then the king will say to those on his right, those are the sheep, come, 
You who are blessed by my Father, blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, every time you hear blessed, I want you to go back to the Sermon on the Mount and know those, those beatitudes that Jesus shares with those He is preaching to. You are blessed. And to be blessed means that you are filled with this bliss and contentment and fullness in knowing that your single greatest need in all of your needs, your single greatest need is to be loved and saved by God. And all who have faith have more of that blessing than you need. You have an abundance of your greatest need your cup overflows. You are blessed. And this contentment and this fullness carries you with confidence and courage to, to speak His Word and His message into your homes and your places of work and your schools and your neighborhoods. You are empowered by this promise. You receive the blessing of the King. The king is coming, Jesus wants you to know. Certainly and soon, you are to stay on mission until his return. And you are empowered by his promise. And may this bring you a peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now you are indeed blessed by the king. And so here is the weekly awakening question for you on the screens above. How will you celebrate that King Jesus declares you blessed? Do we have that on the screens? Can we put that weekly awakening up, please? How will you celebrate that King Jesus declares you blessed? Use this as an opportunity to have faith conversations, not just the faith conversation around your, your home or your table or place of work this week, but the jumping off point for deeper conversations in faith.